church, I want to invite you to have a seat. As you have a seat, I just want you to know you, you should have already been uh, told, welcome, hello, we're glad you're here like a thousand times or maybe more like 110 times. But um, I want you to know, again, we're so glad that you're here and we hope that you are uh, received into a warm seat and maybe it's a little too warm here today. Anybody agree? Maybe not. <clears throat> and a warm welcome as well. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here and the people that are leaving don't want to hear what I have to say. <clears throat> they are going to be learning today, Hubtown Kids, both Blue Station and Gray Station. They're going to be learning today about God. And one more lesson, the lesson that they'll learn is that God is zealous for his own worship. That's a fun word to say. God is zealous for his own worship. He will not tolerate idolatry. And so again, I do this on a regular basis. I hope that you actually consider ways that you could uh, be a part of what the kids are teaching. Uh, that certainly is an opportunity, and it's a talent. This is an Easter egg for our sermon today. It's a talent. It's an opportunity that you have uh, to invest in what God is doing right here today. And so I want to ask you, really think about how can you, uh, how can you use uh, this uh, little blip here to, to be plugged into what the kids are learning about our great God. I recently saw an ad for a used motorcycle. I waited to share that with you until my wife left. <laughs> I remember reading in that ad, it said, it just caught my eye, and so I read it. It said this, I no longer have the time, and so I've decided to sell the motorcycle. I thought about that, and I thought, man, this guy... He, he, the guy who posted this, he, he has a motorcycle. He owns that motorcycle, but he does not have the time. He has the motorcycle. He does not possess the time in his calendar and his schedule to actually get on that motorcycle and ride it. Maybe some of you are like that. Maybe there's some motorcycles. We could talk later. Make sure my wife's not around. I don't need a motorcycle. But maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've been in that situation where you've had a motorcycle, maybe a boat, some sort of hobby, you had the, the things, maybe a snowboard, and you thought, well, I've got the thing, but I don't have the time to do that thing. Or maybe you're like me in this scenario where you don't have that thing, but you think you actually have the time. If you think about last week's sermon, we looked at this idea that God owns our time. He demands our time. And not only does he demand our time, but he demands our talents as well. Everything that we possess, he owns. He doesn't just own our time, he also owns our motorcycles. No amens on that one. <laughs> so time and talents are two different things. We've taken the time to talk about time, now let's take the time to talk about talents as well. Maybe you've been in church for a little while, you probably know where I'm going with this, or maybe where the, the sermon will end or begin. Let's say uh, there's a couple passages that we'll look at. One is in Romans chapter 12, but before we get to Romans 12, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25. So if you've got your copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to turn there right now. Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to read verses 14 to 30. Verses 14 to 30. Now this is a, a, a series of Jesus' teaching right before he's arrested. And so this is sort of like crunch time. Jesus never wastes words, never once. 
Uh, but this is some pretty important stuff. He's getting ready to go away, and he's got some important teaching he's got to give to his disciples. By the way, if, if you're welcome to follow along on the screen, but if you want to hold the word in your hand, you can certainly do that. If you didn't bring your copy, uh, you could just use that uh, hard black Bible right in front of you and, and use that for today. And if you are using it, we'll be on page 986. Nine, oh, I'm sorry, 987. 987. As Jesus is teaching here, he is beginning to tell parables. Now, a parable is a heavenly story uh, with an earthly meaning. It's a story uh, about, uh, or I'm sorry, I said that backwards. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's right. I guess it could go both ways. But generally speaking, when Jesus used it, he wanted to tell us about uh, the future. He wanted to tell us about his kingdom. And one of the devices that he would use is he would tell a story that we would understand uh, something that maybe we've experienced or walked through before. And he would say, now, now the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's kind of like this thing that you know really well. And he would explain it. And he's done that a few times here in this series of teaching. Um, he's, he's taught about the, uh, the fig tree. Uh, he, he's taught about uh, the, the fact that nobody knows the day or the hour that he will return. Uh, that it's almost like, hey, I'm going away. And when I return, it's almost going to be like a thief in the night. I'll just, I'll be there and you won't even realize I'd been there until you realize I had been there. It'll be surprising. He says it's, it's almost like waiting for a, you know, you ever wait outside at, at nighttime for a wedding? You know, we, we've all been there, right? Uh, waiting outside with our lamps lit, right? And then you run out of oil and you have to go get some more. We've all been there. Um, he tells that parable and he's illustrating that, hey, you're going to have to wait and the waiting will be probably longer than you're expecting and I don't want you to fall asleep, and I don't want you to be unprepared. So when I, when I leave, I'm going to come back, and you better be waiting. I want my disciples to wait for me. I want you to look for me. I want you to be prepared to wait a long time. And then he gets to this next parable in verse 14. And this parable is called the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. And I don't want to share any more. Let's just jump in and read it, and then we'll pray, and uh, we'll do some exposition. So here's what the Word of God says. Matthew chapter 25 Verses 14 down to 30. Jesus speaking says, For it will be like a man going on a long journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another, uh, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I, I was afraid and I 
went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. And then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's ask God to bless the reading of his word. Father, this is your word for us today. We just want to pause and sit under it for a moment. Just surrendering our our intellect, our understanding to you now. We pray that you'd guide us, that you'd instruct us. God, we pray that the the talents that we have, that each of us have, that as a result of, of walking through your word this morning and hearing it preached, that each of us would have a clearer picture of what you're asking of us with our talents. Father, we love you. We pray that even this little bit of time that we have, which is in a sense a talent, we pray that you would multiply it for us. And Jesus, we ask this in your name and for your glory alone. Amen. So again, this passage is often called the parable of the talents. Now, you may be thinking... uh, Talents. What is this passage about? It seems to be about money. It seems to be Jesus instructing his disciples on what to do with their money. And I thought you said that uh, we were going to be talking about money next week. By the way, everybody's going to stay home probably next week. I shouldn't have told you that. We'll talk about something else. We'll talk about heaven. But the reality is that talents, even though they are a form of money here in the Bible, that's actually not the focus. It's a, it's a story that Jesus tells. It's a, it's a parable, and he's trying to help us. He's not trying. He is helping us to understand what he expects of us in our abilities. You see, it's this passage that really has made the connecting point between the, the fact that talent in the scriptures is a unit of measurement. It's a, it's a level or it's amount of money and how that word talent has now become something that we think of when we think of, hey, that person, that kid's got talent with the basketball or that kid's got talent when it comes to sales or with music or whatever it is. We, we think of talent as being this natural ability that each of us have. And there is a connecting piece between uh, this word talent, which is a large sum of money, somewhere around $600,000, most scholars say, maybe even more. Uh, That word talent and the word talent like, hey, he's got got hoops. He can can play. And and Jesus really is the one who makes that connection, and he does it. He he literally changes history. The way, even our English language, the way that we've received it, uh, he, he's made the connecting point there, you see, because the teaching is that each of us have something. Not all of us have uh, big, mo- uh, big mounds of money from our master, but each of us have been given, every single one of us have been given natural and spiritual talents. If you're a Christian, that's certainly true of you with the spiritual part. But even so, all of us have an ability. All of us have natural abilities. And Jesus is instructing that we're all to do what the first and second servants did with their talents. I love to create my 
own definitions, and so I've made one here this week. I'm not sure if I like it, but uh, it's, uh, you, you do what you want with it, but it'll be on the screen for you. So talents, can we get that? Is that on the screen? Would that be? There it is. There we go. All these things in your, uh, in your, in your brain. What's the, what's the definition? Throw the, uh, not this one, the definition. <laughs> here we go. So talents are the beautiful blend of the valuable abilities bestowed upon you by God covering realms of the physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual. They are gifts of grace which God invites you to utilize and develop in service to God and others. Man, that's a long definition. And I wish I could have made it a little more concise. But the idea that Jesus is saying is that each and every one of us have talents. Now, we all don't have the same amount of money. We all don't even, maybe not all have money, but that's not the point. Talents aren't money. Talents are the beautiful blend of the valuable abilities bestowed upon you by God in the various realms of your life. And here's the main idea. You saw it flash up on the screen a moment ago. The main idea, and we'll, we'll leave it up there for a minute for you. The main idea is that God, who bestowed unique abilities upon each of his fallen creatures, has redeemed us through Jesus Christ, and now he invites us to actively employ these gifts in improving his assets. Each of us have talents, ranging and varying, and we're to take those talents and we are to use those to improve our king, our master's standing, to press his kingdom forward, to join him in the work of building his kingdom. I love the fact that Jesus, before he left, before he left and said, hey, I'll be back, and here's these parables about how you should wait. I love that he said, I'll build, I'm gonna build my church. I am building my church. When you think about the talents that you have, when you think of the time that you have, I want you to ask yourself, how does the time that I have, how do the talents that he has blessed me with, how am I using them to be about my master's business? How am I investing them? Each of us have been called to do that. Each of us are tempted to fall this way or this or that way. Reality is that, is that we don't always handle our gifts. We don't always handle our talents in the way that God would have us to do. The reality is we don't even always think about and really that's the most important piece that's where it all begins we don't always think about the talents that God has given us in a biblical way and so before we talk positively I just want to give you five warnings or five words of caution from this text and another text about how to think about our talents and so we'll we'll look at those five and then we'll actually say okay now let's talk positively what what would actually look like if we uh, thought about our talents in a way that would please God in a way that he would like for us to, to think about our talents. And we'll spend some time there. I'll have seven points for you there. And then, just for fun, we're going to look at a couple stories in the Bible of people who actually used their talents in a, in a way that was faithful to the Word of God. And we'll end our time completely by considering the life of Jesus and how he used his talents. And that'll be a wonderful place to land the plane. And so first, five warning, warnings concerning gifts. The first one is this. Rebellion. This is a warning. Look out for rebellion. Look out for this. Notice it in verse 26. It says, 
but his master answered him. This is to the wicked servant. This is to that final servant. He says, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. I want you to think about that word wicked. That word wicked. It's crooked, disobedient, thinking that he knew better than his master, deciding to go a whole other route altogether. He rebelled against his master. He disobeyed him. Now, that's something that we all have to, to think about. We've all been given commands to invest our talents. You have talents. Are you investing them? Well, maybe you're saying, well, I would rather not invest in God's kingdom. I would rather invest in my kingdom. I think that's really what this word wicked means. You disobeyed. You'd rather invest in your own work. You'd rather invest in your own kingdom. You see, the reality is that even though our translation says that these guys are servants, they're really slaves. Now, don't think of slaves as you would think of chattel slavery and what, uh, the, what we've experienced here in the U.S., what we were a party toward, uh, of. Don't think of it in that way. It's a different slavery altogether. It didn't, rem- it didn't matter about the class that you were in. It didn't matter the color of your skin. In these days, you could sell yourself into slavery. You could literally, because of your own debts, there's no uh, chapter 7, there's no chapter 11 bankruptcy. If you had a bad deal go south there, if you had a deal go south, rather, uh, you lost everything. You could then, to pay your debts back, you could sell yourself into slavery. And maybe not even could, you might have to do something like that. And oftentimes, people would even be taken as slaves, not because uh, they were in some sort of financial trouble, but maybe even because it would be a better option for them altogether. It would be better to be a slave of somebody, to, to be in the care of, of somebody, on the payroll of somebody, than it would be to be on your own. That's sort of the idea here. These guys aren't just servants that have taken a job here as servants. These are actual slaves of this master. They have no option as to whether they'll do what he says or not. They have to obey him. And so that the master would say, you've been wicked. is to say, you've rebelled against me. You've disobeyed. I gave you these talents, and I told you what to do with them. And instead of doing that, you did something else. You spent your time elsewhere. And you didn't invest the talents that I gave you. Whatever their preference were, whatever their, his reasoning was, he disobeyed his master. At the beginning of our time together, really, I just want to pause here and ask for you to think about your own life. We want to be hearers of the word and we want to be doers of the word, right? We don't want to deceive ourselves. That's what the, the student ministry is studying right now. Didn't get any amens there, kiddos, right? We want to be hearers and doers, and so as we think of this text here and we think of what Jesus is saying to this man who was wicked, I want to just ask you to think, are you in rebellion right now when it comes to your talents? Physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, God has blessed you. And he's given you commands that you're to use those gifts, those blessings, those talents for his purposes. And so just think of your own life. Are you using those things for God? Now, we're going to jump in in a moment. Don't turn there now, but we're going to jump in a moment to Romans chapter 12. And in Romans 12, it says that uh, this, it's a wonderful text to complement what we're looking at today. And there in Romans 12, it says that we're to present our bodies to God 
as a holy sac- a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And that word holy is H-O-L-Y. But when you see it there, you can actually say, you can put a equals, it's actually W-H-O-L-L-Y. It actually means holy, like all together. And the idea is that when God requires a sacrifice, when he asks for a sacrifice, we're not to give him a sacrifice that's only part of the sacrifice. We're not to give him the, something that's got uh, missing an ear and maybe a couple toes, maybe got its eye, not to be too gross or crude, but this is exactly what the scriptures tell us, that when they would make a sacrifice in the Old Testament that they couldn't sacrifice something that was missing an eye, that something had happened to it, maybe it had got a briar in it or some, somehow got in a fight with another a creature and had lost some part of its body and that's what you could offer. No, no, you had to offer something that was holy. You had to offer something that was whole. That's the same with God today and our talents, our bodies. We submit them to God. We present them to him as a reasonable sacrifice. And that living, reasonable sacrifice is a complete, whole sacrifice. And when we give God only part of our lives and we keep back another part, it's not the holy, whole sacrifice that he's asking for. It's not the one that he deserves He doesn't ask us for part of our lives. He asks us for all of it. And that's sort of the idea of this sermon series. God wants our time, our talents, and our treasure. We're trying to be all-encompassing. And one of those is a bigger basket of of catchphrases and terms than than the others. And, And time and certainly treasure are very specific. But altogether, we're trying to say that what the scriptures say is that we're to submit everything to God. And to not really is rebellion. I love the fact that this first man and the second man, they, they invested all of theirs. If you look at the, sort of the, the, the code here as to what the stock markets were doing in those days, it's, it's a literally 100% investment and a 100% return on investment. What would have happened if the first guy would have invested only four? Well, then he would have only gotten four back, which would have been a total of nine, and he would have missed out on that opportunity to get that one, right? And the same is true of the guy that, that had two talents, and he invested both of those and he got four. If he'd only given one, what would he have had to present to his master? Well, not what he actually did present to his master. And then the guy that didn't, didn't, didn't turn in any, didn't invest any of his, what did he get? He didn't even get interest. Certainly didn't double. So when we consider our talents, what do we have to do? Well, we have to say, God, what, what, how have you blessed me in the physical realm? How, how have you best blessed me? How have you given me gifts in the spiritual realm? And God, I, I want to I give all of those things to you. And so I want you to consider that as we continue to work through this text and sermon, just what sort of investment have you been making? Is there a chance that in some small way or maybe in a large way you've been rebellious with your talents? That's one warning, don't be rebellious. Two, don't be lazy, lazy. That's the other way, that's the other word that Jesus used to describe this uh, third gentleman, this third servant. Verse 26, it says, you wicked and slothful servant. What did this slothful servant do? Well, he, he took that bag of money and he dug a hole and he buried it. And some of you might be thinking a little bit like me and you might think, well, seriously? Digging a hole? I mean, he's not too lazy. Well, 
It's a lot more work uh, to dig a hole that would put about a bag of money, something around this area, dig it just, a, just shallow enough to get it covered up. It's a lot easier to do that than to do what these first two servants did. You might say, well, they just doubled it. Well, they probably played roulette, didn't they? They just went down to the casino and they picked red or black, odd or even, and they put their money, uh, all of it on there, and they invested it. No, that's exactly what they did not do. These men, over the course of time, we don't know how long, but they really labored to invest the work and the, the money, the, the talents that God had given to them or this master had given to them. They labored. They, they bought companies. They sold companies. They hired managers and fired managers. They, they, they dealt with all the anxiety and sleepless nights of making sure that everything was covered and that they had done the right research and the market was going in the way that they thought it was going to go and they were positioned in just the right place to honor their master's talents that they had given to them. They're not playing roulette. And so it's so much easier to just dig a hole and say, you know what, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to do the research. I'll just do a little bit of work on the front end and bury these so that nobody knows that God has given me what he actually has. The reality is that God has called us to labor. He's called us to work. And by the way, that's not part of the fall. That's pre-fall. That's before this world, uh, in a sense, went to hell in a handbasket. God still said, I'm going to create you, and I'm going to create you to create stuff and to work, and you're going to love it. Post-fall, labor becomes a little more laborious, a little more difficult. And yet still, it is the work that God has called us to do. You have been blessed with talents. Friends, don't bury those talents. It's hard work, but we've been called to invest them. Now, maybe up until this point, some of you have just totally been lost because you're thinking, hey, sometimes there are sermons that apply to me, and sometimes there are sermons that do not. And you're maybe thinking, today is one of those days where the sermon just doesn't apply to me because, you know what? Safe to say, I have zero talents. I'm not sure if that's you. I'm sure somebody here probably feels that way. My third caution, my third warning for you would be despair. Do not despair. This is a great time to flip over to Romans chapter 12. And if you want to, you can keep your, your place there in Matthew because we're going we're gonna to swap back over to that in just a few minutes. But let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. I'm just going to read the, the whole passage here. And let me, let me tell you what page it is. On, uh, in, your, in the black hardback Bible. That'll actually be on page 1126, 1126. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words for us today as well as that uh, first century Roman Christian church. And he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That word body is a metonym for everything. It's an all-encompassing term to say everything that you have, all of your physical abilities, all of your relational, emotional, spiritual abilities, all of them are part of this body. And we're to present those to God. Now think about that idea. Those who are willing to despair or thinking to despair today, I have no gifts well, certainly you do. 
If you're here today, you have a body and you say, well, my body maybe not that good. Maybe it's old or maybe it's broken down. It's not that strong or not too tall. Whatever it is that you think you don't have today, know that you do have a set of talents that God has given to you. But anyway, let's keep reading. It says that we're to present these, our bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then he says in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, the Apostle Paul says, that word grace is by the gift, the spiritual gifts that God has given to me, and that authority and that ability, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. This is assuming that God has, along with your spiritual gifts, along with your body, He has assigned a measure of faith to believe that you can use those talents in your context. And he says in verse 5, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. And so he's saying each of you have a gift. Each of you have a set of gifts. Now, we are one body, each serving one mission, one purpose, We know that this is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head. Look at verse 6, though. It says, having gifts, which is assuming that each of us have gifts, each of us have a purpose in this body, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. What's implied here very clearly is that each of us have a set of gifts. Each of us. Do they differ? Well, they certainly differ. Are they, say, are they the same amount, each of us? No, we didn't get the same amount. But we certainly all have gifts. And now don't turn back to Matthew 25, but just think back to Matthew 25. In this parable, which is teaching us about this life, how many of the servants listed did not receive a gift, did not receive a talent? Well, there's only three, and they all received something. And that's the reality, that each of us have something. Each of us have a way to invest in the kingdom. You say, well, I'm not as old as somebody else. I don't have the experience. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the strength. I don't have fill in the blank. Well, you may not have what somebody else has. The reality is you do not have what other people have. And yet you do have something. We'll return back to this here in a few moments, probably a a few times in the next few minutes. This idea that the word for gifts that Paul uses here in verse 3 of chapter 12 is actually, it literally means kindness of God. Think of this, that each of us have been given something out of the overflow of the kindness of God. It's incredible. You might be tempted this morning to despair And we're going to find out, we're going to work a little bit more today to help you find out why you shouldn't despair. But know this, you have been gifted. The reality is that in your physical realm and on a physical level, you have something to offer God. You have something to offer the king. 
And certainly on a spiritual level, the, the Scripture teaches us that when the Spirit of God, listen, this is, a, this is remarkable, the Holy Spirit, when it comes to indwell the life of a Christian, of a human, what happens is he gives gifts. He blesses you in a supernatural way. You can use then those gifts to contribute, to join the work that Jesus is doing, even now of building his church. Don't despair. Christian, do not despair. You have been given talents. So that's the third warning. Don't despair. What about the fourth? Here it is. Anger. Anger. Fairness. Equity, this is a very important idea in our culture today. Everybody get the same thing. Everybody get the same amount. Sort of treat everybody equally. It's also a, a, very, uh, a very big theme in my home. My, my children, they love to know, especially the younger ones, that everything's fair. And it's not. And maybe you picked up on that a moment ago and you heard, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. wait. We didn't all get the same amount? I mean, I get Somebody's going to be a little bit greater in this or better in this area and, than I am, but certainly I'll have the equivalent in another area. Well, that, we don't read that in the New Testament. We don't read it in the Old. And maybe as you consider your list of talents that God has given you, maybe you're willing to agree, Pastor Josh, I do see that I have talents, but what really gets me is that I don't have the same amount that somebody else does. Maybe if you're like me as a pastor, you might say, well, I don't have the same amount of people in my church or the same amount of baptisms or the same amount of this or the same amount of that. Or maybe even in your own life, you think, well, I don't have the same amount of children. Well, count that a blessing. Maybe you look at the Mormons and say, I don't have the same amount of wives. And that also maybe should be counted as a blessing. But the reality is we all are tempted to that, to look at somebody else and to compare and say, for whatever reason, they got more than me and that's just not fair. I think that that may be part of the motivation of the rebellious and wicked servant that buried his talent. He looks at the man. They're all standing there together on presentation day when they're all awarded their talents, and he thinks, well, this guy got five. The next guy got two, I bet. Just judging by the way these two goofballs look, I bet I'll probably start with ten. And then I'll take those ten talents, and I'm going to make 30. It's going to be incredible. And the master says, and here is your little bit, your one talent. And he looks at his talents, and he looks at their talents, and he says, this just isn't right. I think maybe in his heart, this, this guy's angry. And maybe you've experienced a little bit of that as well. Maybe you've thought because you didn't get five talents or because you didn't get ten talents, you should go bury your talents and really show your master what you think of him. Friends, the reality is that we've not been given talents because we're awesome. We've been given talents because he is awesome. And the point of your talent, whether you perceive them to be much or little, is that we invest and further our master's holding, our master's standing, our master's kingdom, and not our own. And really, if we are to be bent out of shape about the, the few that we perceive ourselves to have received, then the reality is we are not about our master's kingdom. And in that way, in our anger, we reveal ourselves again to be a wicked servant. And maybe that wickedness will even demonstrate itself in slothfulness. 
By the way, the, the, the intention of this Romans passage that we just looked at and read through, it's to encourage unity. And unity really is only possible when all the parties that are involved are focusing on the same goal. And one of the reasons why we often will face or experience disunity in the church or even in our families and our relationships is because even though on the surface it looks like we're all going for the same thing, under the surface it's revealed that we are not going for the same thing. Maybe we say that we're all about the kingdom of God, but the reality is in your heart you're really about the kingdom of yourself. And unity is challenged when we think about ourselves as not being gifted at all. You say, this just isn't fair. They're gifted and I'm not. They have talents to present, I do not. Well, that's not true. But maybe unity is challenged there, but it's also challenged when we say, I'm not gifted as much as somebody else. That also challenges our unity and it reveals that our goal is really not what God wants our goal to be. But also notice that our Unity in the church, our unity in our relationships is challenged when we think too high of ourselves, period. And that is, that's expressly stated in Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 3. He's talking about pride here. This is the third warning, or sorry, the, the fifth warning in verse 3. Pride. He says, for, the, for by grace given to me, this is the apostle Paul speaking. That's quite a gift, quite a talent that he's been given. He says, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I love that word, uh, uh, ought. More highly. Don't, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He's saying it's just not right for you to think of yourselves too highly. He says, no, no, don't think too highly. Think of yourself soberly. And maybe it'd be helpful for you to think about this idea. Somebody being drunk with pride as they really just look over all the gifts that God has blessed them with. The Apostle Paul was in danger of this. And we'll talk about that in a moment. You survey your own gifts and you think, wow, I have been given so many gifts. I am an incredible person. Look, at, look how God's going to use me. And you take a little sip and then you take another sip. And before you know it, you're drunk with pride and you're not sober. You think of yourself too highly. And really, what's the, what's the antidote to pride? Well, it's, it's, it's literally right there. I love it. It's just a smack right in the, the face of pride. It says, you're to think of yourself soberly each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Some of you, myself included, have been tempted throughout my life, maybe you, your life, to think of yourself more highly than you, than you ought to. And I love what the Apostle Paul says somewhere else in the New Testament. We won't look at it now, but he says, what do you have that you haven't been given? What do you have that you haven't been given? Go ahead and answer that question. Well, here, I'm in the United States of America. I didn't inherit anything. I, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. Well, let's, let's chase that down and see if it really is turtles all the way down. You've been given something that maybe you invested then, and maybe you have been a little bit more aggressive in your investing and developing of your own gifts and talents, but the reality is you, everything that you have can be chased back to something that you've been given Everything that you have, you have been given. I want to just 
I want to invite you as we kind of sort of come to the close of this first section of warnings and, and ask yourself, do I know where I'm in danger right now? As it relates to the warnings that we've just looked at, have just been sort of declared over us here to look out for, which ones am I the most percept- or, uh, susceptible to? Maybe it's this one here, pride. Or maybe it's despair. I don't know which one it is, and I would, I would encourage you, ask, ask the Holy Spirit. Christian, the Holy Spirit, he lives in you. Stop and just ask him right now, Spirit, where am I in danger right now? Where, where am I thinking incorrectly about the gifts that you have given to me? It's a wise thing to ask the, the Spirit now. Okay, now, as we think of the end of this, these, these warnings here, I want you to look back at verse 23 in, in Matthew 25. Not all of them received this title of wicked and slothful. Some of, uh, some of, these, uh, of these servants, two of them, uh, received a good name here. And what was it? Good and faithful. And to both of these uh, guys that were good and faithful, he says, you have been faithful. And so we've been warned against this morning about being proud or rebellious or slothful. But what should we do? Can we get some positive encouragement here today? Well, we should be faithful. What does it look like for us to think rightly about the gifts that God has given to us? Well, we are to be faithful. What does faithfulness look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've got seven points here. We'll move through them quickly, I promise. Number one, what does it look like to be faithful in regard to your talents? Well, number one, you can believe. You can believe. This is really where it starts. And I'm speaking sort of directly toward the, the folks in here that are thinking, I just don't, I'm just not there yet. I just don't know if I'm convinced that I actually have something to offer God. You might think that you're a totally different sort of person than the person that is proud here today, but really it's the same thing. To despair is the same thing as to be proud. You're thinking of yourself a little too much or maybe a lot too much, and we need to think about what the Word of God says about us, not what we feel about ourselves. And the Word of God says that you have something to offer God today. And so I would ask you to repent of your unbelief and ask God today to help you to believe. Number one, believe that you have received talents. Believe that you have been gifted with something to invest in the kingdom. Number two, gratitude. Belief and gratitude. I love the word that's, again, used in Romans 12. I I mentioned this a moment ago there in verse 3. It's the idea that he says, "By, by by the gift that has been given to me, and he's saying, by the kindness of God that has been bestowed upon me. Think of this. You are gifted, and that is absolutely incredible. We talked about this scandalous activity that God would say, you were my enemy. I will cleanse you of this. I'll give you new clothes. I'll give you my righteousness. I'll pay for everything else. You were my enemy. You betrayed me. I'll take care of all that, and now I'll put you on my team. 
That's crazy. Doesn't that just come across as crazy? It's incredible, and you don't deserve these things. You've been blessed with these things, and the Apostle Paul says it is a kindness to you. And what should we do when we consider the kindness of God? We should be grateful. You say, well, that's, that's obvious. Well, it, it, it is obvious, and yet we don't always start with gratitude. And so believe that you've been gifted. Be grateful that you've been gifted. And we come to the third word here that describes what faithfulness looks like, and that's dedication. You say, Pastor Josh, we haven't even, I want to know, I, I'm so excited to find out about the fact that I have talents. I've been blessed and gifted, and I really would like to talk about that. Can we just get to that point first? Well, we're going to get there, I promise, but it's more important that we talk about believing that you actually have been gifted and being grateful for them, even not knowing necessarily at this point what they are. And then three, actually dedicating, determining right now, before you even know what they are, that you will Give these over to God. You know that tension. You've felt it before. Well, I'm going to give part of this to God, but I'd kind of like to know how much it is first before I actually say how much I'll, I'll give. I might give it all. I might hold some back. That's sort of the same idea that Ananias and Sapphira had. And we saw how that, uh, that whole thing went down. Romans 12, what does it say there in verse 1? It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I love that word, present. It is in the aorist, which basically means this. That's the tense, and what that's saying is it's a, basically a one and done. It's a one-time presentation of our bodies. Now, you might say, Pastor Josh, the Apostle Paul elsewhere says that I die daily. I, I sacrifice myself daily, and that's true. Paul did encourage us, and he himself had this idea that he would regularly think of himself as dying and being sacrificed today when he woke up in the morning saying, Today, Jesus, I, I'm dead to myself. I'm alive to you, and I'm, I'm reporting for duty. And, and we are to do that on a regular basis, on a, on a present, active basis. But in the aorist, it's basically saying, right now, you need to present your bodies to God and then consider yourself presented to God. And that's kind of how sacrifices work, right? You sacrifice something and it doesn't crawl off the altar. It's sacrificed to God. It now belongs to him. It's his. It's done. It's over. There's no more questions to ask. You say, why are we talking about dedication today, right now, before we even talk about identification? Well, because we need to be able to make sure that we're in the right place where we're able to say, regardless of what the, the talents that I actually have are, I'm going to right now, before I even know what they are, I'm going to present them to God and say, God, everything that I am, completely it belongs to you. I surrender it to you right now. I hope that that's your position I hope that's your position, that you dedicate, you'd present yourself to God. Part and parcel, every bit of it. And number four, identification. Being a faithful steward of your talents certainly involves those first three, but four, it involves identification. The truth is that some of your talents are, are obvious. Maybe it's your brute strength. Maybe it's your, your gentle tenderness or your patience. 
Maybe it's the incredible faith that you have. Maybe the, the ability that you possess to make complicated, complex spiritual things very simple for people to understand. Whatever it is, it may be obvious to some, maybe to all, then there are some that are not so obvious. And I want you to know something, too, that as we think of our talents, I'm not speaking specifically and exclusively of spiritual gifts. Certainly, spiritual gifts are a part of the, the blend of talents that God has given to you, Christian. I don't want to spend too much time differentiating between spiritual gifts and physical gifts. Why? Because both physical gifts and spiritual gifts are in your repertoire. They're in your basket of talents. And where did they come from? Whether it's your height, your strength, your, your intelligence, or any of these spiritual gifts that come along with and are gifted to us at our rebirth, our new birth in Christ, all of these things have come from who? From God. And all of them are to be given over to God and for his work. And so we recognize that some of us have obvious talents and some of us have hidden talents, so to speak. And part of the job is to identify what those talents are. Now today, we're not going to take a spiritual gifts test, although those things can be helpful. But I want to just help you with two things, two words, um, uh, one of caution and community. As you work in your life to identify your own talents, first let me caution you. Let me caution you against narcissism. The truth is that we love to think about ourselves, we love to talk about ourselves, and uh, if there's something nice to look at, you might even like to look at yourself. Right? Spiritual gifts, tests, those are so helpful, but they're about like mirrors. If we stare at them too long, it can really become unhelpful. Mirrors are helpful for us to take a glance at, and then we go out about our business. We have to be careful for narcissism. Remember, the gifts that you've been given are not for your own enjoyment as much as they are for God's kingdom and furthering his assets and developing that. And so be careful of narcissism. And be, be careful of perpetual research. We love as Christians to study what God has said, and studying what God has said is important, but sometimes it takes up so much time that we never do what God said. We love to find out where we're gifted and continuing to study and how you would potentially and hypothetically use that in the future, and you're like the surfer who every single day he only waxes his board while everybody else is out cutting through and surfing and doing whatever surfers do. You know, I don't know the language. I've just revealed that to you. Aloha. Instead of surfing, you're just out there waxing your board. Perpetual research, it's unhelpful, and it's sadly where many of us get hung up when it comes to talents just learning more about myself maybe we love ourselves and so we continue that study and maybe we're still not really sure if we really are blessed and so we continue searching instead of just doing what the scriptures say whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might you say well i don't know if i, I haven't taken any spiritual gifts it doesn't matter what is what is your hand found to do do it with all your might that's what the scriptures say both in ecclesiastes 9 and colossians chapter 3 throughout the new testament just get to work. Number three, this is related to what I just said, and that's pigeonholing. Pigeonholing. The reality is that there are some lists given to us in the New Testament of what the spiritual gifts are, both in, in Corinthians and in Romans, but some of us, we, we, we look at this list, and we look at that list, and we compare, and we say, well, they're not, this doesn't seem to be exhaustive, and the reality is the lists in the New Testament are not exhaustive. 
We could piece them together and get a more exhaustive list, but we still would say there are more than that present in the body of Christ. And what we might end up doing is, we, in all of our research and taking of the test, we might end up looking at it and saying, well, you know what, I've come down to the, fa- the fact that I am gifted in this one area. This is my talent. And so anytime I have an opportunity or there's a need or I'm asked to do something that's outside of that, I'm not going to do it because that's not where I've been spiritually gifted. And that's, again, that's not what the Scriptures teach us. The Scriptures say that we're all to go and preach, and yet some are gifted in that. The Scriptures say that we're all to go and evangelize, and yet some are gifted in that. The scripture said that we're all to be hospitable, yet some of us are more hospitable and really gifted in that than others. And so the danger is we might say, well, this is who I am. I'll pigeonhole myself right here. This is who I am. And this, I'll, I'll not come out of this little area here. And so I would caution you about that. Uh, one more caution as you work to find out your own gift. Re- realize this, that your, your gifting is not your identity. Your gifting does not determine your value. Notice that in Matthew, all of these servants are servants of the master. They're all his, right? And in this teaching of the parable, we would assume he loves them. They belong to him, and yet they all have different giftings, and they're not to think, well, okay, he loves me less because I have less gifting. Or he loves me more because I have this particular gifting. Well, that's not how it works. And so that's some caution as you work to identify your own talents. There's some words of encouragement and some warning there, too, some caution. Let's move from caution to community as we consider identifying our own talents. First, think of, or underneath this idea of community, realize that developing and identifying your, your gifts is important to be done in community because that's where they are actually used. Your spiritual gifts... Your physical gifts are to be pushed in. They're the chips that you're to push in on Jesus' work and ministry of building his church. And that's in the context of this space right here. In our life groups, in our D groups, in Monday morning coffees, and Tuesday night dinners. Every aspect of our life, all, all of the talents that we have that we present to God are to be encouraging and building up the word of God in the people of God by the power of the Spirit of God. And so we do that in community because, well, that's where they're used. And notice, I've already said this, but in community we're to do this because the, the purpose of your talents are specifically to edify and build up the church. And finally, community is a very grounding experience for us when we consider our own gifts. One of the questions that I like to ask uh, somebody uh, who says that they aspire to be a pastor is, who agrees with you? Who agrees with you? I, I remember being a, a young man, just, just become a Christian, and I thought, hey, I, I'm going to be the next Billy Graham, and I think I am. I think I'm gifted to be the next Billy Graham. That's so embarrassing. I can't believe I just told you guys that. This is a safe place. But I was just drunk with pride, like, oh, God's going to use me to do an amazing work. It's going to be incredible. There's going to be another wave of gospel work throughout the world, just like Billy Graham, right? And I remember thinking that, and then I remember talking to my grandma, and she was like, amen. And grandmas are good for that, but that's not what I'm talking about when I say community. It was, it was a reality that hit me pretty hard as I began to interact with people, and they're like, yeah, I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. Well, you know, you say, well, I don't, those people, people are just putting me down. Community always puts me down. Well, maybe they're just being real with you. 
If you say, well, hey, I think I'm gifted in this area, it's really good to say, well, is there anybody in my life that agrees with me on that? And remember, you say, well, I can't wait to just like, when somebody asks me to just be honest with them. Some of you just love, you have this gift of just being straightforward, and you're like, no, it's not true. But that goes both ways, right? Uh, we don't just have community so we can smack each other down and be like, nah, nah, you're being a little bit, you're not thinking soberly. But it, community is not just about putting each other down or bringing us into to, to, to reality here, but also encouraging us and saying, no, I do see these things in you. And, and maybe that's something that we can all grow in as we help each other identify where God has used us. Hey, brother, I want you to know, when you said that thing in life group, that just, that just really helped me. You have a gift. Did you know that? You have a gift and, and, and this or that or whatever it is. Or maybe you were invited to somebody's home. This, just this week, was invited to somebody's home. Couldn't believe the hospitality that was given to me. This person is gifted in hospitality. It's amazing. And they need to know that. And so you know it. You know who you are. And so we find our, identify our, uh, our gifts with caution and also in community. Along with that community, let's go into the fifth point. What does it look like to be faithful? Well, we develop development. I won't spend long here at all, but I just want you to think about this. This is something good for you to think of later in the week. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, he says, hey, you've been given a gift. Don't neglect it. What does not neglecting it actually look like? Well, he elaborates in verse 15. He says, practice these things. It's the, the same word of, it means to develop. It means to nurture, right? And so we're to develop our gifts. Some of you are, are gifted and you're not developing your gifts. You've, essentially, it's the same thing as burying your gift. If you have been gifted, develop those gifts. Invest those gifts. Cultivate those gifts. Number six, invest the gifts. Invest it. You've, you've done the hard work. We've talked about this. You've done the, the, the hard work of identifying the gifts. Now that you've identified it, invest that gift. Invest it. And again, where should you invest it? Well, invest it in what Jesus is doing. Jesus now is building his church. Invest your gifts in building the church. And I don't mean buildings. We're going to be doing a building project soon, Lord willing. We're not talking about building buildings. We're talking about building people. And number seven is humility. Faithfulness looks like humility. Thinking soberly. We've talked about this. Friend, you are gifted. You're gifted. But use those gifts for his glory. Why did he give you those gifts? Everything that you have, you have been given them. And for what purpose? For his glory, to build up his church. And so think of yourself very soberly and humbly. Now, we're going to, in lightning round fashion, work through some models for faithfulness. First, looking at the Old Testament, think of Samson. Samson was certainly blessed, was he not? Strongest man who ever lived. And he had been given a purpose along with the talents. And we see throughout Samson's life that he didn't do what he was supposed to do up until the end. And what does he do? Well, he ends up using, God gives him his uh, uh, highlights again, once again, gives him his strength so that he can get back on track for his purpose. And Samson, at the end of his life, returns to using the gifts that he has for God's glory. And maybe that's helpful for you to hear today. Maybe you've spent a long uh, part of, a large portion of your life serving yourself or some other mission. And maybe today, as you've heard this, you've thought, well, I, I know I've done that. Well, maybe you could be like Samson. Toward the end of your life, after wasting a good part of it, maybe you're ready to submit those things to God and, and to, to begin to look faithful, to be faithful with your gifts. Or what about the Apostle Paul? I want you to notice something about the Apostle Paul. 
he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Roman citizen, and he'd been given incredible revelations. This guy, if anybody could be proud, it was this guy. It was, it was absolutely incredible to see the, the way that he was blessed. He submitted all those giftings, all those talents to God. It's an incredible story. And also notice this about Paul's life. Maybe you guys know this, maybe you don't. But Paul actually says, I'm so blessed, but I've also been given this thorn in the flesh. And that thorn in the flesh is, is literally given to me so that I can remain humble. God, God sent this thorn in the flesh to me so that I could be buffeted and it would keep me humble and make me depend on him. Maybe that's helpful for you today. Maybe you see your blessings, you see your giftings, your talents, and you also say, but God, why, why do I have these so many difficulties in my life? Well, it's God saying, I'm going to use you in big ways, but I want to keep you close so that you don't get conceited. The third is Miss Sarah E. Troxel. I know most of you guys know who that lady is. Or maybe you don't. You know of Mr. Harris, because Harris Hall was named for him, our fellowship hall. Maybe you know of Watlington, Dr. Watlington. We also have a, 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 a part of our facility named after Watlington. You say, I know who he is, but... Remind me, who was Mrs. Troxel again? Well, this, this church, First Baptist Church of Hagerstown, was started in 1882. And you need to know, the first few years of the church's existence, we were without a pastor. And we had guys coming back and forth from Baltimore and other areas. Some, some even not even Baptists coming preaching here. We just didn't have any preachers. And really, the church was struggling. And we had a superintendent that kind of got the Sunday school start class started, and that was really the mainstay of the church, but he ended up stepping down. He had to leave, and the church didn't have a pastor and didn't have a superintendent for the Sunday school, and really there's nobody there except for this young lady by the name of Miss Sarah E. Troxel. And listen to this thing that was said about her. I found it. It's a beautiful gem. It says, there was, however, a bright spot. Despite the fact that the little group had neither pastor nor sanctuary, it did have a Sunday school with a very dedicated and determined superintendent, Mrs. Sarah E. Troxel, who had succeeded Richard Higgins as superintendent. She opened her home to the Sunday school classes. She prayed, she hoped, she labored, and she looked forward with unflagging faith to better times. You probably don't know anything about Mrs. Troxel because she doesn't have the same sort of gifts that, that Mr. Watlington had or Mr. Harris had. And yet the reality is, is that we probably wouldn't be a church in this place right here with as many uh, baptisms as we've had over the last 140 years, as much gospel work, as many churches planted, had it not been for the faithfulness of a woman that we know nothing about opening up her home and saying, I don't have much, but what I do have is God's, and I'm pushing all of my talents in for the work that he would like to do through me. Wouldn't that be amazing if we were just a church of a bunch of people that we would just be forgotten, but we were like Sarah Troxel, who just said, you know what, in 10 years, nobody's even going to know about me. In 50 years, I'll be totally forgotten, but I'm going to push all my chips in, all of my talents in for the work that Jesus is doing, even if I don't get recognition. Wouldn't that be amazing? The last story I want to give you is the story of Jesus. Look at Samson. We can learn some things from Samson, certainly, and from Paul. And we can be encouraged by folks like Sarah Troxel who didn't have much, but they gave it all. And God used it in big ways, but also consider Jesus Christ. And let's end it here. Let's end it here. Jesus found himself, the scriptures say, in the flesh. He humbled himself. And he looked around and thought, this is what I am. I'm God in the flesh. And I have the opportunity. I have the, the ability, the capability, the talents 
to do an amazing work in obedience to my Father and in demonstration of grace and love to the church. And he's obedient even to the point of death. You look for inspiration, Christian. You look for direction. You look for pictures of faithfulness. Let's look to Jesus Christ who said, literally, my life, my breath, the greatest talent that I have today, I'll give it. I'll push that in for my children, for my people. What what an amazing gift. What an amazing demonstration of faithfulness. Just in light of that and and, and, in response to that, let's go to, to the Father right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, recognizing that you have given each of us, your children, unique abilities. And you've redeemed us through Christ. And you've invited us to actively use these gifts in improving your assets. What an amazing reality. What a kindness to us. Father, we pray now that we would be a church that hears the word and goes and does the word. God, protect us from being a people who think that we can earn something from you for using our talents. Father, protect us from thinking that we, our identity is based on who, uh, what we can do for you. God, protect us from that. Help us to look at Jesus, to see that our righteousness is given to us, and out of that righteousness that's already secured, the value that has already been determined and cannot be changed, to push all of our life in, presenting our bodies to you as worship. That's what we want to do. That's what we're going to do. We thank you for the opportunity, and Jesus, we ask all of these things in your name and for your glory alone. Amen.